who, in your mind, who's the starting other guard? First of all, did you say Obre Jr.? Come on, bro. It's Obre Jr. Man, get it together. First of all, you got to get the names right. Okay. You get your names right say. for all these stats well, you do? first you of all, right? you know, Anthony wants the big, everyone's got the big three. Anthony wants, like, the big ten. <laughs> five. Five would do. Just give me a starting five. What do you, what do you think, like, Okay, you know? okay. All right, stop the shenanigans. <laughs> all of a sudden. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Matter of Stats podcast. Tonight, myself, Anthony, with the fellas, Billy, Kobe. Gentlemen, what's happening tonight? What's going on, man? Your, your Tuesday early start time screwed up my taco night. So, Oh, uh, so how, how many tacos are on your plate? Only five? You didn't get a chance to fill the whole plate up? I had to, I had to get panda tonight, so I'm eating panda. What? Oh, boy. We're going to have a terrible pod then. You're breaking the rules. <laughs> Yeah, man. So that's that's bad, bad juju right there. <laughs> Billy, how you doing, man? Well, it's Kobe's fault that I'm messed up tonight too. He didn't get tacos and it screwed up. <laughs> Billy had to sit in this little thing called traffic on the way home. Man, I'm a little well, agitated right now. Well, I'm sorry. You <laughs> know, I'm ready to argue with you about everything. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. You know my motto: blame it on Kyrie. <laughs> Okay, well, after that wonderful introduction, let's jump right in. So before we get into our Super Bowl preview, uh, let's talk a little Lakers. Um, it's, it's rare that you have Super Bowl week and NBA trade deadline at the same time, but this year with the added week to the NFL schedule pushed everything back a little bit. So you get double whammies of uh, you know Laker trade talk, NBA trade talk, and Super Bowl uh, preview talk. So the NBA trade deadline is this Thursday, so two days from now, this Thursday at uh, 12 noon, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And there's already been a series of what I'm going to say remarkable trades <laughs> over the last few days that have had a lot of people buzzing about the names being pushed around and the value that some of these guys have gone for. So we'll do just a quick recap of you know the, the three three big deals that have happened over the last few days. Um, so the, the Clippers over the weekend, they made a trade trading uh, basically uh, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Justice Winslow to Portland for uh, Powell and uh, Robert Covington. The, and then today there were a couple of trades. The Pelicans, one of Kobe's favorite teams. That's the B they, team. They traded Josh Hart and your boy uh, Nickel Alexander to the Blazers for CJ McCollum and Larry Nance. Uh, I, thought, I thought the Hornets were your B team. <clears throat> Kobe's got a lot of B teams, Billy. <laughs> That's my C team. I got uh -huh. a B team. Yeah. Jesus. On some nights, he goes all the way to F. <laughs> um, there were a couple other significant trades. Uh, also, a couple days ago, the uh, Pacers and Cavs made a trade, trading Ricky Rubio, who's out for the year. It was basically just an expiring contract. Basically, they traded uh, Lavert for a first-round pick to the Cavs. And then the Kings, probably the most surprising trade of them all today, they traded Buddy Heald and uh, Hal Burton to the Pacers for Lamb and Sabonis. 
Now that had a lot of people buzzing. I know you and I, Billy, were texting about that earlier because it's no secret Sacramento's been trying to unload Buddy Heald and the money he's got left on that deal. And the Pacers, they're in full, the Pacers and Blazers are in full fire sale mode. They're, they're trading everybody. But everybody in the NBA community was really surprised that they threw in 21-year-old Hal Burton, who is regarded as one of the better young players in the league. I think he's shooting like 41%, 42% from three this year. I think he's like the leading three-point field goal percent shooter right now in the game, and he's just good. The thing about that is he just came out like, what was it, like a week ago? He had this press conference or after game conference or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, you know. We're gonna change this around. I'm all in, and all this stuff. He was he wanted to be there, and he was ready to change. Go and do this, and then it's like, okay, well, that's kind of a messed up move. And mm-hmm. then, you know, now you're just prolonging the development of your franchise. Like they were just now getting some good players and stuff like that. Now you're going all the way back to square one. I just feel like Sacramento took a big step backwards, and I, I just don't know the reasoning for it. I don't know who they think they're going to get in the offseason. I don't know what they're thinking is, to be honest, but it's, it's just baffling to me what they did today. Well, but they just drafted this kid. It's, he's, he's just barely mm-hmm. been in the league. This is his, he, what, he, his second year in the league, Kobe? Yeah, I think I think it's the second year. Was it, He was a lottery pick, wasn't he? Yeah. Lottery well, pick. Shout out to him, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He's a, he's a fellow podcaster. I don't know if he has his own show, but I, I heard him on the Hoop Collective, uh, I think, over the summer. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really bright kid. Understood that the Kings, you know, were struggling on D. And, you know, he was even holding himself accountable for, for that. And uh, But, yeah, he's a really good, really, really good player. And uh, that is stunning, uh, I mean, to, to say. You would think that would be a guy you would want to, you know, as, as a piece to build, uh, you know, a future around. So mm-hmm. now, now I'm hearing, hearing Miles Turner is happy about it. So I don't think Miles Turner is going to go anywhere. Well, I mean, he's also a free agent next year, so who knows? But now Indiana's got all these guards, so you know they're not going to keep. You know, they're not going to keep them all. No, they're going to have to be buyouts, or maybe they got something else in the works that someone else wanted, and they're flip them or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would be stunned if Buddy Heald isn't traded sometime between now and the start of next year, because now they're just loaded, you know, at the guard position. I mean, would you want for him now? Uh, as a Laker, but I want to trade from right now. Yeah, as a Laker, correct. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean, I would. It all depends on the price, right? Because to make a deal work with Buddy, Mm -hmm. that he because he makes so much money, you can't just do a you can't just do a THT for Buddy. You got to throw in none. You got to throw in Baysmore. You got to trade like four guys to make the money work. So it's 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 complicated. And I think he'd be a, a nice fit, but it's all about how much, right? I know the Lakers were interested in in Lamb who was part of that, that deal uh, in Sacramento. Now he's just, just to make the money work. He makes about $10.5 million this year and he's a free agent at the end of the year too. So that's just, you know, to match the salaries. Also part of that deal was Tristan Thompson, but he is expected to get bought out um, by the Pacers. He's not expected to play a minute for them. The, the, did, didn't I, uh, didn't I call that? I mean, that just totally smelled like a, like a buyout move, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's what happens, you know, when, when you get these kind of trades at a deadline, because you have to make money match for money. But these teams, you know, they're like, OK, fine, we'll take this guy. We don't want him, but we got to make it, you know, the, like the, the Pacers, they don't have any interest in, in Ricky Rubio, but they just have to make the money work. 
Yeah, no, and, and and I know you were talking about it earlier, Anthony. That uh, you know you wouldn't mind having uh, Tristan in there over over DJ and Dwight. But I mean, was he even really playing like that in Sacramento? I mean, well, what are we talking about here. Well, he in limited minutes. So for the Kings, he was playing about fourteen minutes a night, and he was giving you about six and a half points, five and a half rebounds, shooting fifty four percent from the field. So he's doing the same thing Dwight is doing. I mean, he's doing more than DJ because DJ's doing about as much as you and I, but I think Tristan um, more in minutes. I think he produces more. Well, don't you think you'd rather have him and Dwight than Dwight and DJ? If so you what, just wanted to have two bigs on the roster, what do you do with DJ? You just wave him. Okay. Yeah. You just wave him. Um, or, or you, or you salary dump, you know, you do, you do a trade before Thursday to free up a spot just to, you know, just to just to trade him somewhere for a guy that you can dump. So can, there, there's 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 ways to work around it. I can see doing something like that, but I mean, I don't know. I don't want to just. Well, I, well I sure. and and that and that really brings us, you know, to to the other side of this coin, right? Because these are the names that we just talked about are a lot of guys that were on that list that the Lakers have been interested in for weeks now, right? Lamb, Heald, uh, Lavert. McCollum, Powell, Covington. So now that some of these guys are off the board, you know, if you're the Lakers, what what can what can we do by Thursday? Can we do anything? What do we do? What do we want to do? Do we overpay? Like, what what do you guys think? I think I think the uh, report I was reading earlier on uh, from Bleacher Report was saying that there really isn't much um, that we could do. It looks like at the end of the day, maybe a deal like THT and none for like Eric Gordon. Yeah, that, that that's the only asset that we're talking about that we really have. And yeah, I don't see that. I I just see that as trading the trade. I I don't see it making our team that much better. Well, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Kobe, about you know what the Lakers might or, might or might not do. And my takeaway was I just didn't want to make a trade out of desperation, right? Like some of the rumors you heard today were THT and none and a first round pick for Josh Richardson or for Terrence Ross. Like to me, that's, that's overpaying. Those guys aren't as much of a difference maker. Now they might be a better fit than THT because they are wings that have a little more size, a little better defensively and can shoot the three. But I think that's, I don't think they're more talented than THT. They don't have more upside clearly because they're older and to throw in a first round pick to me is just insanity. Like that's way too much just to get a guy like that because, but, you know, I, I just don't think it's worth a deal like that. I, I, I get that at the same time though. I'm just not seeing the growth from THT. Yeah. I was just going to say that same thing. Um, and Kobe, I, I wanted to ask about this before I forget. Um, I, I probably remember right last week, the Lakers would probably for sure make before the deadline. Now, where do you stand on that? Well, everything's mm-hmm. Well, I, I just said it was just a fun little game that we were playing. I felt like we probably shouldn't make a move because it's not going to really help anything. It's just going to shake things up, if anything. And this is not what we need right now because our whole thing is we're struggling uh, from a fit standpoint, which if you, you get rid of guys and bring other guys in, how does that help our fit? You know, the morale has been you know, pretty up and down, uh, especially as of late. So, I mean, there's just things that just didn't make sense to make a trade. But, um, I mean – 
to add on to what you said about THT, it's true because, you know, last offseason, THT was untouchable, but that was because of his upside. And this year, he's, you know, either stayed the same or kind of regressed a little bit. So it's kind of, it's now I'm kind of wondering, you know, because I picked THT to be the breakout guy for us this year. And it's like, now I'm kind of wondering, like, dang, like, yeah. really have crazy upside? I mean, I know he's only 21, but there was really no improvement this season. And it's, it's been unfortunate because I liked the flashes that I saw from him last season and, you know, some of his highlight reel stuff. And uh, I, I felt he did have a lot of promise and maybe he still does, but it's kind of in question now. I would, if, any, I would... yeah, if, if anything, I'm not seeing those flashes this year like we did last year. The flashes are a lot less. The mistakes are a lot more. Well, uh, and maybe it's that's partly because it might be magnified this year because it was a championship or bust year. I know they've all been pretty much championship or bust, but we're playing, you know, way below our level, you know, our expectations. So now everything's magnified, just like with Russ, that, you know, Russ is essentially putting up kind of the same numbers, but it's magnified here. I heard Perkins this morning, Kendrick Perkins say, uh, Russ, Russ is broken. He's literally broken. And, and that's that's crazy. His confidence is broken. You know, that's a. Uh, yeah, crazy to hear for for a guy like Russ, who you know, I was I was thinking was going to come in here and just shut it down, you know. But, uh, yeah, so. well, that's what we all thought. And then you know, there's the other way of looking at it as far as the now, right? You know, there's all this out there about okay, LeBron's here now. You're not going to have him X amount of years down the road, and you know, we make trades like this now and just take what we can get and. You know, build a couple of years later after LeBron's done or well and you know you're right last year THT had a ton of upside everybody wanted him right that was the that was the narrative mm-hmm. now it's like oh nobody wants him right now the narrative <laughs> is he's garbage and and that's not you know th- just like last year it, it wasn't entirely true this year it's not entirely true he still has value. I think he's still coveted to a certain extent. Maybe some of the shine is off of him because we've talked about this from day one. I have, I have not been impressed with THT at all this year. But at the same time, it, it's not so much about just overpaying by trading a young asset like THT. The draft pick is, is key in all of this. If you want to roll the dice and be like, you know what, THT, it's never going to be what we want. Let's trade him for Terrence Ross or Eric Gordon. Okay, fine, fine. But not to throw in a draft pick and another piece or multiple draft picks, because now you're starting to get into that, you know, the pendulum is swinging a little too much on one side, and it kind of feels like a desperate move rather than a productive move. Yeah. And and there's still some names out there, but the cost is higher. Like Gary Trent Jr. is still a big asset that could be on the move, and he's young, he's 22 years old, but you know, his value is now higher than just THT. You're going to have to give up THT none and a first round pick. And I don't know if the Lakers want to want to do that. Just like, you know, the rumors about trading Russ for John Wall. Even if you think on paper, that's a good deal to throw in that first round pick really swings it, in my opinion, where it's just not a smart move because that pick I think has more value in the long run than throwing it in for a role player guy that like Kobe said, may or may not make a huge difference. I think it will, it will help because I think, well, one, one big takeaway that I noticed from these last few games, especially the game Saturday night, I guess the Knicks was we definitely need some shooters. We need some guys that 
can help space the floor and hit open shots because the Knicks were just like, as long as it's not Malik Monk, they didn't care who was shooting the three because well, nobody, the, nobody else was making it. At the beginning of the season, wasn't that the big storyline for us, though, that we had all these shooters? So <laughs> yes. what, what the hell's the problem? Well, because some, well, that's just it. People talk about, like Billy always says, how do we lose with all this talent? Well, some of it's injury because Kendrick Nunn was supposed to play a big role. And he, I just read earlier, Frank Vogel said that they don't expect him till maybe March, maybe March. <laughs> So that's a factor right there. He was, he was, he, he, yeah, the law, the, the worst bone bruise in the history of bone bruises, apparently. <laughs> but, but you're right, Kobe. He was a guy that was one of those three point shooters that was going to stretch the floor and he plays solid D. But Bazemore hasn't worked out. Ellington hasn't worked out just for the simple fact that Frank just doesn't, doesn't play him, doesn't feel like he's a good fit for what he wants to do on offense and defense. So he can't get on the floor. So Ariza, Ariza struggled. You know, Avery Bradley isn't a scorer. Stanley Johnson isn't a scorer. Austin Reeves is a nice player, but he's not a proven shooter yet. He's an undrafted rookie. He's out there still learning the game. So, so other maybe- than Monk and Mello, the other guys that were supposed to be those shooters haven't panned out for various reasons, whether it's injury or they've just struggled. Why don't yeah, we- and, 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 and you have to remember, too, though, in today's NBA, a lot of shooters, I mean, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but most of your snipers aren't really defenders and you know right. Frank values the de- the defense and maybe that's why a guy like Ellington hasn't worked. So would it be fair to say then, even if we got shooters, they're probably not going to work in our situation anyway. Well, but they have to be wings. They have to be three and D type. That's why you're, that's why you're hearing Trent jr. That's why you're hearing Powell. That's why you're hearing Terrence Ross, because those guys are more three and D types. They're not just, they're not just like a Wayne Ellington or a Seth Curry who is a bit of a liability on defense and a smaller guard. That's the other thing, too. It's not just your ability to play defense. It's size. I think if Wayne Ellington was 6'6", it'd be a whole different conversation. Even if he didn't play defense well, size helps. Is he not 6'6"? He was like 6'5". Seth Curry, but Seth Curry can play some defense. Well, but I'm saying he's not a lockdown defender like, like, like the point Kobe's trying to make. You want to get a 3 and D guy that provides on both ends of the floor. Yeah. But 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 Kobe's right. Kobe but Kobe's right too in a point that nowadays in today's NBA if if you're a guard and you can't stretch the floor, there's there's really not a role for you in the game right now. Mm-hmm. I play defense anyway. Just put Ellington out there. Who gives a shit? <laughs> no, I know three-point threat out there. But well, that isn't but isn't that the whole argument with Russ too? How come we can't disguise Russ on the defensive end like other teams do? Steph Curry don't play no D, but you don't see him on the bench because the Warriors know how to how to disguise him on defense. Well, he gives effort on D and he does play semi-decent D. I mean, it's not like lockdown or nothing, but he's not horrible by right? No, but but he's not going to but you could you could iso him and take advantage the Warriors know how to disguise that. Like like I like I've seen I've seen like Steph on D just like clapping his hands at, at, at uh, shooters or just like, you know, getting pesky and being pesky on somebody. I haven't seen Russ do that once this year. Yeah. I think that was a, that, maybe that was a mistake on my part at the beginning of the season when I'm like, look, like this is the most Mamba mentality we've ever had in a player since Kobe being Bryant. And it's like maybe on the offensive side from an intensity standpoint, but Kobe took pride in locking someone down on defense. Like he, he, he might just make that his assignment for the night. And again, we haven't seen that from Russ at all. I mean, he's got half of that Mamba mentality, but if he had the whole package, 
even if he was even if he was doing as bad as he was doing, if he went out there and just like played super hard D intense, took pride in locking someone down, like he he could be forgiven for a lot of stuff, I feel. Yeah, perhaps. But he's not a lockdown defender either. So Well, clearly I mean, he can't compare him to Kobe, who was first team all defense, like what, like seven years in a row or something? Eight years yeah. in a row. <laughs> I think he was on the team what twelve I think he was a twelve time all defensive team. Yeah. So it's but I get what you're saying. It's not it's not a fair comparison. We've talked about this. I mean, it's not all Russ, it's not all this or that, but I just think for the purpose of this discussion, if the Lakers can make one of these trades to bring in a guy that will help, uh, a Harrison Barnes, a Gary Trent Jr., or a small trade to get an Eric Gordon or a Ross, I think it's a smart move as long as you don't overpay, as long as you're not giving up THT and none and a first-round pick. That's the thing. These teams are going to make us over, overpay. Well, of course. Nobody wants nobody wants to help us. I told you guys this yesterday that I was I was reading. The, the buzz out there was that you know nobody wants to help the Lakers that they're there. We're not going to be anybody's first choice as far as deals to make, because nobody wants to make us better. Nobody wants to, you know, throw us a bone. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, so we'll see, we'll see what happens between now and Thursday. And obviously if anything, you know, major breaks, we will, we will definitely re- report it on one of, you know, one way or another on one of our outlets. Let's just say there's probably not any deal we can make that's going to uh, result in an emergency. <laughs> Probably not, but nonetheless, we will get you the information one way or another. So back to more fun things. The Super Bowl, in case you guys didn't know, is this Sunday at SoFi and the Los Angeles Rams are in it. So we wanted to give, you know, a little bit of our Super Bowl preview. Uh, Obviously, it's exciting to have the, the home team in it in the home stadium for the second year in a row. It figures to be a pretty fun and exciting game. Lots of stars will be on display. Um, so we were going to break down a, just a little bit here on what we kind of envision, how we think the game might go. And then, of course, as we've been doing the last several weeks, we'll give our, our prediction, our final prediction of the postseason here. Uh, but we'll start with this, Billy. i just curious, what do you think the Rams have to do to find a way to beat the Bengals on Sunday? What, what's the keys to the game? Stafford needs to protect the ball. And uh, that defense needs to pressure Burrow. I think those are the two keys. I mean, if they can run the ball well and Stafford can not turn the ball over, you know, and you Mm -hmm. got defensive front pressuring Burrow, you know, on a big stage like this. I mean, Burrow, for for what I've seen, is not going to crumble. But crumb and make it hard for him, then I think the Rams got a really good chance to take it home. Mm-hmm. Well, you know my caveat on Stafford that I've been preaching the entire postseason. My my number under two picks, good for the Rams. Over two picks, bad for the Rams. That's that's my break even point right there. If he if if he stays under two interceptions, the Rams got a really good chance to win. From what I've seen from Cincy's defense, you know the the way they came back in that second half, mm-hmm. they better not have any picks. Right. Well, but you're right, too. Line of scrimmage is key because the Bengals offensive line is their weakest point. Our defensive front is our strongest point. Everybody knows that, you know, the, in the second round, how the Bengals had trouble against the Titans. Didn't Burrow get sacked nine times in that game? Something like that. Yeah. And our defensive line is just as good, if not better than Tennessee's. So there's going to be opportunity to get to Burrow. And you just hope that 
on the big stage, you know, rookie wide receiver, you know, second year quarterback, you know, young, you know, young head coach that, you know, maybe they'll make some of those mistakes, you know, similar to how the Rams in remember in 2019, we're in a similar situation. They were the young team going up against, you know, Brady and the Pats and the experience, you know, kind of, kind of won out. Um, what do you think would be different? Um, sorry, go ahead, Bill. I was going to say that's another, that now that you mentioned, uh, since he's receiver, that's another huge matchup right there with uh, Ramsey and chase. That's, oh yeah. That's going to be a huge matchup right there. Well, the wide receivers in this game are uber talented. Oh, not, yeah. not. I mean, <laughs> on both sides of the ball, because Cooper Cup's a beast. Odell Beckham Jr. We, we were. I was having this conversation oh. with somebody at the gym. I don't think the Rams are here without OBJ. You agree? Um, I mean, possibly, but he's come through in ways that I don't think people expected. I mean, he's, yeah, he's proven everybody of you know the perspective of what everyone had of him. He's proved everyone wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, he's been a, a clear difference maker. Now he's not the blocker that Robert Woods is, but but he's a playmaker and he's a big reason why they're here. So you're right. The wide receivers are going to be on full display on Sunday. That's going to be fun to watch in and of itself. Yeah, and that's that's pretty impressive to to hear you guys talk about that because I mean, you know, just the little bit that I was following. I, I know obviously he, you know, he was what in Cleveland last, last year and was mm-hmm. just problematic, right. Was trying to get out of there. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought being on the Rams and making it to the Super Bowl, just my perspective, cause I don't watch a lot of football was like, man, did he really co- coattail it all the way to the Super Bowl with the Rams or what, you know? So that's cool to hear. Well, he was hurt last year. Yeah. Oh, he was okay. He was yeah. banged and up. Sure they just didn't, they just didn't find a way to work him back into the offense. So. Yeah. He did not have a good relationship with Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. Baker just didn't get him the ball, whether it's by design or whether it was something personal. I don't know, but he just didn't get him the ball. Think about this. Beckham has had more touchdowns with the Rams than he did in two years in Cleveland. Yep. Wow. (laughs) So that tells you all you need to know. (laughs) Wow. So, but it's interesting too, because, you know, talking about where the the Bengals are, like I was saying, Billy, is very similar to where the Rams were in 2019. McVay was a second year head coach, um, and you know, just like just like uh, Zach Taylor, and in his first Super Bowl, and you know, struggled a little bit. You know, got out coached a little bit by Belichick, which is no shame to say that. Yeah. But w- what do you think is different this time for McVay in in the second time around? Well. I think, you know, you learn from your mistakes. That's the old cliche thing. Um, he's had a couple of years to, you know, learn learn some things with a little bit more experience just in-game situation-wise and then going through these playoffs. And then he has a more experienced quarterback. You know? mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Stafford has really anything to lose at this point. He's, he's you know, played really pretty well in the playoffs in my um, you know, you have a more experienced quarterback. I think you have a better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, Beckham, you've got uh, Cup, you know, who has a really great forward with Stafford. You got, you know, Ramsey, you got Donald, you got, uh, you brought in Vaughn Miller. Mm-hmm. Pretty much loaded. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the Rams are all in. There's no doubt about that. He has a lot more toys to play with. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think he has a lot more tricks up his sleeve and 
you know, the whole coaching staff. I, I just think, you know, just the veteran leadership and stuff they have on that team. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's way different than what they had against going against New England. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, the sometimes the first time you're there, you're kind of in awe of the Super Bowl as opposed yeah. to ready to play the game. So I think the Rams come in with a different mentality, a different expectation, not in awe of anything, but maybe more focused and understanding of the moment. And hopefully that will play to their advantage. And you have guys that have been there before. They know yeah. and all that. And, yep. you know, one thing you're at home. You didn't have to travel. You don't have to go anywhere. You're not in a hotel. These guys are in their homes. Yeah. So yeah. They're basically doing their own routine. I mean, the stadium is going to look different. You know, the decor and all that vibes are going to be a little bit different because, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> neutral field mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah yeah it's still like they if they have the mindset that they can treat it like hey this is just one more game to go in the season and we're done then you know that's that's the best way i think you can look at it just prepare like you would any other home game and i and i i kind of hear what you guys are saying definitely and i was thinking about this a little earlier too um with the experience thing you know and obviously uh, the Bengals and Joe Burrow and, you know, they've never, they've never been there, but don't you guys feel like Joe Burrow is pretty like mature and poised for like his age. And just like the things I've been seeing, like in, you know, in some of the interviews he's doing, um, you know, and he wasn't even supposed to, they, they've had a killer postseason. Don't you think that's a little bit of a, a momentum for Cincinnati going? Into this? Oh no, Burrow's knows Burrow's nothing to overlook. I mean, he's not, he's not afraid of the moment. No, he's not. He's proved it. Um, he, he came back, you know, he had that injury. He came back this year strong. You know, he, he's got this team going in the right direction. Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl, you know, his second year in. And they're, they're doing a great job. He's not folding under pressure no matter what. You know, he like Anthony said, he got sacked on how many times. And he's now, up and he's, he's ready. He's not – He's not. he doesn't look nervous in the pocket. He's making the right calls. Now, and my, and now, now my question would be, is, is that enough for one guy to just – take these guys to the promised land or, or does the whole team have to be in sync with him? Well, no, I mean, you got to have the whole team. It, it football's a totally different deal. I mean, you got to have your whole team. You got, you know, your offensive line, you got your defense, you, you got a lot of things, special teams, um, that kicker, they got, got ice in his veins. That guy's <laughs> man. Yeah, no, obviously I, I get that it's a team game. I'm kind of speaking like not, not, you know, kind of metaphorically in a way, just like, you know, do you think he, he, it, because he is ready for the moment, do you think he rallies the troops and and is able to to get you know his team on that level mentally to to get this win? What do you think, Anthony? Well, I think um, there's a couple things here, and I think you'll like this. He has swag, right? There's been a lot of talk. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about his press conferences, even over the last couple of days, mm-hmm. where he's he's got the gold chain, and he's got the the jacket and the hat and the bling, and he's very confident. Got a lot of swag, a lot of you know gusto up there in the press conferences. Totally opposite of Stafford, right? Stafford's more blue collar. This guy's got the bling, talking the smack. So. He he comes with a with a with a whole different set of uh, of of energy and focus that I think sometimes can be construed the wrong way. But I know you love that swag, you love that that love arrogance. It. You know, you <laughs> like seeing the bling up there. And you're right. Some people say, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Does that distract or take you away from the focus? And a couple interesting things: the Rams are obviously playing at home. 
even though the Bengals are technically the home team, because that's how the Super Bowl works. They, every other year, they take turns on who the home team is, AFC or NFC. Mm. But the Rams get to use their regular home locker. So it just feeds back to what Billy was saying about the comfort and ease, because that's the thing that is so overwhelmed with the Super Bowl. You're, you're there all week at a place, out of your normal routine, like Billy said. You're not doing anything that you normally do practice-wise. You're going through, like, media day. you got all these pressers, interviews, TV. Like, it's, it's totally different, and that can throw you off your game. So that's a little thing that, like Billy said, may help the Rams. I, I think Joe Burrow, you know, as, as Kobe would like to say, he's brought a different culture to that organization and that team which they haven't you know they haven't experienced in a long time so for yeah. them all-time high right now and, and anything's possible you mean you, you know it's a, it's a game you know yep. and it's been pretty crazy this year and both teams got to come out and do do what they need to do it, it's you know there's I, I don't the four the spread was what seven now it's down to four and a half i looked the other day and it's probably gonna go down a little more depending you know how people are betting in Vegas adjusted or whatever but yep to me it's a pick because both teams are on on fire right now and it's going to be I'm hoping it's going to be a great game and other thing is I hope this halftime show lives up to the hype because I'm looking forward to that I I think a lot of people are (laughs) (laughs) so okay real quick before we give our predictions because we're up against it just what's one one quick thing Billy that that impresses you about the Bengals that they might be able to do that would help them win this game the resilience. I mean, they, they, they don't fold under pressure. You know, they, their defense stepped up big time to get them here. And yeah, it's, there's, there's no, uh, there's no pressure in them. They're, it's going to be tough. Yeah, you're right. Well, they're playing with house money clearly um, because the Rams are the favorite. The Rams are, you know, expected to win in theory. So they're playing with house money. But one thing that I think is super important and you touched on it a second ago, Billy is their kicker. That kid is money. He yep. hasn't missed a field goal in the postseason. And yep. what makes it dangerous is you know how it works, Billy. When you play a team, most kickers, you got to get inside the 40, you know, for that to be a realistic opportunity to put points on the board. But this Bengal team, if they get if they get 40, 44, 45 yard line, they're gonna kick it with this kid because they feel like he can make it. No, so you got- so you have to account for that. That's a, that's extra points that you're not normally going to give up. Yeah, you got another Prater or Janikowski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just think it's going to be important for the Rams to score touchdowns because you have to anticipate that the, that, that kid is going to give the Bengals three to six extra points that a normal team wouldn't get, right? Like the Niners, for example, how many times did they punt? They punted a couple times when they were on the other side of the field because – Robbie Gold can't make that 57-yarder. But yeah. this kid's going to kick it, and he's probably going to make it, and that's three to six extra points that you don't normally have to account for. So it's going to be important for the Rams to, to yeah. I think, score score touchdowns. Yeah, away from that 40. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Final prediction times. The last prediction of the NFL postseason here. Uh, we'll let um, our, our boy Kobe go first. So, okay, Kobe, real simple. Who's going to win – Who's going to be the MVP, and what's going to be the final score? 
Okay, so I got to stick with the team that I picked all throughout the playoffs, never deviated from them, kind of did one week, but jumped back on before the game uh, started. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I'm sticking with the Bengals. They're they're the underdogs, you know, like Billy just said, four and a half points, probably a little bit more closer to the game. I think Joe Burrow has a big game. I think he throws for over 300 yards, two okay. touchdowns, Damn. and is the Super Bowl MVP. I think the Bengals beat the Rams by a field goal, 20 to 17. Wow. Okay, Billy. Okay, I'm going. I'm going with my heart because I'm a Lions fan, and I really want Stafford to win a mm-hmm. ring. Almost say the Rams. Okay. Um, MVP. If they win, Aaron Donald. Okay. If Cincinnati wins, Burrow, <laughs> and then uh, score twenty-seven, twenty-four. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little more in line with Billy. I also like the Rams. I think that I think that in part this could just be their year. They went all in and the playoffs have kind of unfolded exactly the way they wanted it to. When you think about the matchups like dodging Green Bay, you know, dodging the Cowboys, getting their redemption against the Niners, so it kind of feels like it might just be their opportunity to 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 take advantage of the situation. And I actually think that if they're going to win, Cooper Cup's got to be the MVP. He's he's their bread and butter. He's going to touch the ball. You know, they're going to target him at least 15 times. So if he doesn't have 100 something yards and a touchdown, I don't. Then the Rams probably don't win the game. So I think he's going to be the MVP. And I think it's going to be a little more high scoring, like Billy said. I like 28-24 Rams. Okay. Cool. Well, now to the important part here. Uh, if, if the Bengals win, I have now tied you up, Anthony, and we go eight and five on the postseason. So just well, saying. Great. And you know what you get for that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I get to gloat, man. Get to- <laughs> Tell him what he's won. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for another edition of the Matter of Stats podcast. We hope you guys have a great uh, Super Bowl week, and we hope it's a great Super Bowl and everyone enjoys the game. And we'll be back at you same time, same channel next week. Peace out. See you.